With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Yeah, get those poles ready, AK. Mm. Mixed martial arts, baby. The best martial arts is mixed. The UFC Vegas 53 preview show okay. starts now. Okay. Very <laughs> uh, shocked. Wow. Come on. I mean, get to AK on the camera. I mean, just, just just a big promotion for mixing of the martial arts. There he is. Come on. There he is. How, how did you feel about that intro, AK? <laughs> Oh, what? Sorry, I'm oh, uh, for God's sake. going my loyalty to a uh, broken team. <laughs> that was, it was a bit, it was a bit much. It was a bit much. Yeah, it was a lot going on, but welcome everybody to the uh, UFC Vegas 53 preview show here on MMAfighting.com. We are live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel because we got fights coming up tomorrow inside the UFC Apex, a Bantamweight divisional clash was on the schedule for the main event of this card. Now it is a catchweight bout at 138.5 pounds. More on that in a moment, but thank you for joining us. I am Mike Keck. We got Jose Youngs joining us as well. We got Jed Mishu, yesterday's winner of Between the Links. The people have spoken. And the newest m- member of Boston Celtics Nation. Let us say hello to the Prince of Positivity, Alexander Kaylee. Hi, buddy. Go, go Bucks. Go Bucks. Boo. Boo. <laughs> I knew I didn't like you. I knew this best Love friend Milwaukee. thing was a bunch of bunch of Love horse Milwaukee. Kaka. It's a hey, great. Yeah, before we start, team. before before we start, Jay, can you do that motion again that you were doing the Aaron Rodgers that? celebration? Who wears their belt on their chest, guy? <laughs> I mean, I had to do it so the camera could see. If I just did this, then it looks very different. And probably not great for our yeah, family-friendly yeah, yeah. television. Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. I could have done it here over the shoulder if you'd prefer. Just I thought you were doing the like classic. the Cam Newton Superman thing. That's what I thought you were doing. No. Oh, no. 
Uh, so you're Cam going Newman to Auburn. Okay. Screw that guy. All right. Well, let's get into this, gentlemen. AK, let's start with you. I feel like you have some things to get off your chest. One of your favorite things in the sport is when a fighter, especially a main event fighter, comes in heavy. And that is what happened mm. with Rob Font ahead of his main event yes. against Marlon Vera tomorrow. Rob Font yeah. misses weight by two and a half pounds. This is something I didn't expect. If you told me, like, what's the weirdest thing's going to happen today? And you gave me a thousand guesses. Rob Font missing weight was probably not going to be one of them. So your reaction to this, AK, and Cheeto Vera is going to get an extra 20 percent here. Well, uh, I'd like to say I'm disappointed, but this is classic uh, New Englander behavior. Let's be honest. Uh, it's an area not known for its work ethic, uh, not known for taking things seriously, generally for just general effrontery uh, when it comes to the world of athletics. So, uh, you know, I, I think Rob is really just representing what Mike, you yourself and oh, also Jose as well typically stand for. So, I, again, I'm not even upset. It's just like he's just this is his nature. It's where he's from. You can't even blame the man. It's where he's from. Um, but no, I mean, I I was i was i'm like you i was surprised he's never missed weight before it does for me raise some questions about like how motivated is he for this fight uh and not just normal you know i know people say oh anytime someone misses weight you're gonna question their motivation it's like no in this case it's a fight that like i think i I recall when it was announced he wasn't like super jazzed about he is uh, number six in our rankings i think number four in the ufc and marlon vera is number excuse me 11 in our rankings and number eight in the UFC. So it is a guy who is considerably behind him. Like Rob Font has worked very hard to crack that top five. He is a legitimate top five contender. Now he's facing a guy who's like uh, a super tough opponent, one of the best finishers, 135 pounds, who is like always, for, for always, always calling for big fights. So this is a huge opportunity for uh, Marlon Vera. I think it's a big opportunity for Rob Font too. It's just that when this kind of thing where you miss weight, it does make, and again, he has said it openly. He's not like, jet it. It doesn't even wonder, it, it, did that contribute to it? But it could be something else. It could be health. Um, and if it is, then obviously we just hope Rob Font is okay and recovered for uh, for Saturday's fight. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed this does stay together. Um, it, it is proceeding as a catch weight, 20, 20% of Rob Font's show money to, uh, to Marlon Vera. But we have seen, you know, sometimes people miss weight, and then the next day we find out the fight's off. So hopefully that's not the case here because this has potential to be a really strong main event. And uh, frankly, this card needs it. Jed, your thoughts on this? Does it change the way you th- you view this fight in any way? Rob coming in a little bit heavy here. It doesn't, but AK is so mad about everything that's going on. He's just he acts as if we don't have a perfectly serviceable co-main that's ready to step into that lead role. Andre Arlovsky, the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time, would be more than happy to step into the main event role on less than a day's notice. So if this fight doesn't happen, we're fine. We've got Pitbull. We've got the Pitbull, the only Pitbull. All the other Pitbulls are fake. We're just going to be totally okay. But yeah, I hope it doesn't because Rob Font Marlon Bear is probably the most fun fight outside of women's boxing this weekend. Jose, I know you are a fan of high-level martial arts competition. These two Mm -hmm. fighters check off those boxes, and when you put these two guys mixing the martial arts together inside of an octagon-shaped cage, great things happen. So does the weight miss change much in your eyes? Uh, I'm disappointed, but it doesn't change the fact that this fight is still fantastic. I mean, it should still be fantastic. I don't know the intricacies or behind-the-scenes knowledge of Rob Font's weight miss. Like, if it did deplete him severely and he's going to come in like a shell of his former self or just kind of missing a step because he's, you know... The weight, the weight, the weight cut just kind of 
negatively impacted him, then then I would be disappointed that we didn't get these two bantamweights at their peak. Uh, but as we all know, historically, fighters who usually miss weight win more often than not uh, because they didn't cut that weight last few pounds and like really, really severely damaged their body. So I still am very excited for the fight, but I'm just disappointed in you know title implications into that because like Rob Font wins. He didn't make weight, so like, where does he go from there? Like, I don't like if Rob Font had won, he would have cemented himself like right, and he made weight. He would have cemented himself right in there for like another high level fight. Now I don't know if he goes out there and just melts Marlon Vera. We'll see, but it's just disappointing all around, especially for the outcome. Because like, let's not forget, like Rob Font hadn't fought at bantamweight until his UFC debut. Well, how many fights in a row was that? Like, what was he like 10, 11 fights into his career before he signed to the UFC? And then he first cut to Bantamweight uh, in his UFC debut. I think that was what, 2014, 2015 against George Roop. So long time featherweight, hadn't missed weight at Bantamweight either. So surprising uh, and disappointing all around. But at least the fight's still happening. That is very true. Right now we have uh, Rob Font minus 135. The comeback on Marlon Vera is plus 115. By the way, AK, do we have a poll? Uh, obviously, yes. Uh, I, I'm just uh, just general. How, how excited are you about UFC Vegas 53? Uh, uh, option one: Font versus Vera. LFG multiple exclamation points, all caps. Uh, second option: Will watch. Got nothing else to do. Uh, third option: This is a card. This is a card. And uh, fourth option: A Y F K F. Are you effing kidding me? Uh, and uh, you know, insert trash emoji, which apparently I can't do in a poll. So, essentially, four, three, two, one, with four being the highest and one being lowest. So, you guys, I think people can figure out the poll. So far, early returns. Uh, uh, excited. Number one. Uh, number one option is good. People seem to be uh, excited. And let me say, uh, Jen, you make a good point. This is, by the way, a a A K Lee certified co-main event. This is not just a penultimate fight. This is not just the second. It involves a former UFC champion on a win streak, uh, arguably three, the greatest. Three in a row, baby. Three in a row. <laughs> arguably the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. Every time he appears, he's making history now. He's now just one behind uh, Jim Miller. I think he broke a tie with someone. I think he broke a tie with Cerrone, I want to say, for like the most appearances in UFC history. So appearance number 38. There's a, like, there's a lot to dig your teeth into here. It's not like a sexy fight or anything, but is it a co-main event? Yes, we can comfortably call this a co-main event. No no asterisk, no, uh, no other addendum. Well, there you go. So let's just break down so the fight as so a whole. Let's go ahead, Jen. Just so, just so we're clear, Arlovsky will break the tie with Cerrone when he competes this weekend to move into uh, sole position of second place, one behind yes. Jim Miller. Also important to note, Jim Miller and Donald Cerrone – not heavyweights, so you know. Well, there you go. So let's talk about the fight, Jed Mishu. I mean, you're already on the screen, so we'll keep it with you. We got – oh, never mind. Rob Font, minus 135 favorite. Cheeto Vera, plus 115 underdog. To me, this is a 50-50 fight, but if I have questions about it, I have more questions on the Marlon Vera side because – Rob Font has been in bigger fights. He has been in five-round main events inside the UFC. In fact, he's done it twice in a row. Marlon Vera has not been in this situation before. How do you look at this fight? Like if there's a pretend, there's a gambling column, I believe that is out already. If not, sure. it's coming out soon. Comes out. How do you look at this fight from a betting it. perspective? Is this dog or pass for you? Oh no, I'm I'm on Rob Font. I think he's gonna comfortably win this fight. Um the I will say the weight miss brings questions to that just because i don't know that's usually he's never had issues before so it feels like maybe maybe that's indicative of a camp I, i'm not sure for me though like 
I'm the dude who was saying Rob Font might be the best bantamweight in the world not that long ago. So I have obviously opinions on, on Robert Font, but I think he's just – I just don't like Cheeto to be able to consistently generate the kind of offense he'll need to win and sort of – Cheeto Vera is a really good fighter who feels to me kind of like a poor man's Jose Aldo. Uh, and Rob Font lost to Jose Aldo, but not as badly as it appears. Like if, if Font doesn't get dropped basically twice in that fight with Aldo, he probably wins because he outworked him by like almost doubled him up in strikes. I just sort of feel like the same thing happens here except for Cheeto isn't going to hurt Rob Font. So I expect a lot of jabs and a lot of Rob Font just kind of dictating what happens in this fight. AK, what's what's the thing that stands out to you the most about this fight? Just from a X's and O's standpoint, looking at the two styles, I'll rephrase. What's the biggest question you have heading into it? Man, I'm well now. Now with the weight miss, is is are we getting the best of Rob Font? Because normally I'm not I'm not too shaken by these things, but the way he looked at the scale, he didn't come in near the end, which which tells me um, he didn't come in. Near, he he made it very clear he wasn't going to make weight again. So this wasn't a situation where like he weighed in and, and then we were like, oh okay, well like you know does he get the extra hour? He's going to use it right away. I believe John Anik it was that announced that uh, oh, he will not be making a second attempt. So that's like a – I mean that might be a good thing for him. That be, this is like a strategic weight miss. But yeah, motivation is a big thing and it's so hard for us on the outside looking in when we're making these predictions to, to guess because honestly it could just be – it could have just been an issue like if he, he wasn't motivated to make weight. And he's just he's just itching to get in the cage and 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 fight. And you're going to see the same Rob Font usually get, except a Rob Font that's less strained than usual because he didn't cut he didn't cut those two and a half pounds, which was actually quite a bit. So it might be to his benefit. On the other hand, again, if, if you're of the mind that uh, it's it's indicative of a bigger issue with him and his training camp, which we have no way of knowing, no way of knowing, purely speculative, then you're going to lean towards Vera. So uh, for me right now, I think I'm leaning Font. I, I don't know if you or, or, should we, are going to wait to make our picks, Mike. I mean, we'll, we'll wait till the next round, but okay. I mean, if you're flowing into it, go for it. Eh, not really. I can elaborate later. <laughs> when you said that, I, I thought we were going to get the Dana White impression no. for a second there. <laughs> Are we calling it Dana Dangerfield or Rodney Dana Field? I don't Rodney know. Dana we'll have to think about that. Better. Okay. I think it sounds. Rodney Dana Field is much better. Okay. I'm going Rodney Dana Field. All right. <laughs> We get some like Joe Pesci mixed into this thing as well, so there's a little Pesci in there for sure. You get into it; it's getting a little, a little more Pesciness coming in with each and every run of this Dana White impression. (laughs) You know, no good. What's your biggest question? What's your biggest question, Jose? From uh, outside of the weight miss, just from a stylistic perspective. Uh, if Marlon Vera can go five rounds against a high-level opponent, because we've seen Rob Font go five rounds, yes, he lost, but at least like he fought Jose Aldo for 25 minutes, like in the best fight of that card and one of the better band and fight band and white fights of last year. Uh, but you know, no big deal fighting fist fighting Jose Aldo for 25 minutes. Marlon Vera, I've picked him to lose more times than win, and he continuously proves me wrong. So I do think I I do agree with him in his take. I can't remember what preview or post show or press conference or whatever he said where he signed to the ufc like when he was like what six and oh five and oh so he basically was learning on the job and he just kept getting better and better and better he took the long route so did rob font he's lost to a lot of guys in the past like the munozes and the asuncios and the lenikers that i would obviously favor him to beat now and if you look at his last few fights his last few fights 
have been significantly better challenges uh, that he's faced than Marlon Vera outside of they both fought Jose Aldo, like Ricky Simone, um, who else did it? Cody Garbrandt, Marlon Moraes, Sergio Pettis, if I remember correctly. Like Sergio Pettis is now the bantamweight champion of Bellator, and Rob Font has a win over him. So uh, he's faced better competition. Marlon Vera also just kind of melted Frankie Edgar in a fight he was losing, and the ability to, you know, lose all these fights, lose the whole fight. And then all of a sudden, pull out a win, I think, is obviously a skill set. Marlon Vera was in that fight. He was just losing. He was a step behind Frank Edgar until he front kicked him. Everyone's seen the photo. We don't need to talk about it. So my biggest question is, uh, can he go 25 minutes? And if he does what he did against Frankie Edgar, where he lost, I think, two rounds, maybe two and a half rounds, and then front kicked Frankie, you know, he was finding success with that. Say that happens over three rounds. Can he continue to do it in rounds four and five? Can he come back in rounds four and five? Can he keep the distance in front kick and get in a dogfight with Rob Font, who has proven to be an extremely high-level boxer? Trains with Calvin Cater, obviously. He is an extremely high-level boxer. So I have more questions for Marlon. And if he proves me wrong, I think we'll have a new – not, I don't think he's going to fight for the title this year, but a new contender for like a top five bandweight in the world. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a great point about Vera. And I'm curious how this all plays out because the story of Vera, you talking about like him losing the first two rounds of the first round and a half and then coming back and winning the end of it. That's like the outside of the Shot O'Malley fight. That's pretty much Vera's entire career. Like he just goes in there almost to, yeah. it's not that he takes the first round off. Like the Davy Grant fight is a perfect example. Like Davy Grant is just cracking this man with just viciousness in that first round. And then probably like two minutes in the second round, Marlon started to score. And then Marlon has that third round juice and just gets cooking. So I wonder if he kind of approaches this fight the same way. Does he sort of take the first round off, come back mid second, go through the third. And then like you asked Jose, will he be able to continue that through four and five? Or does he take two rounds off, two and a half rounds off and then save that energy put out that output rounds three, four, and five. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out. But again, if he turns, if this is a straight boxing match, if he's out there trying to have a boxing match with Rob Fawn over five rounds, it's not going to be a fun night for him. So it'll be, I'll be curious to see what his game plan is in terms of mixing of the martial arts, AK, the takedown attempts, different ways of, of striking. Does he utilize leg kicks? Who knows? So with that being said, AK, let's go to you. The official first pick, winner, how, how does this happen? Font decision. Uh, I like, I like, I'm going with the, with my, the uh, picking mindset of, I think Rob's best skill boxing is better than any of Marlon's best skills. I think Marlon's like really well-rounded. Uh, he mixes the martial arts very well. So as long as Rob can sort of avoid mixing the martial arts too much, other than, you know, he has really good takedown defense and uh, he definitely doesn't, I don't think he wants to spend too much time on the ground with uh, with Marlon Vera. I think it's primarily a striking battle and I think it's primarily one that uh, that Rob Font can control the pace of, control the distance, land uh, hopefully land the bigger shots. Like we said, it was a bit of, that was an issue in the, in the Jose Aldo fight where uh, he just got damaged more, unfortunately. You know, he might have been the slicker, more technical striker. I'm not, well, I shouldn't say no tackling Jose Aldo, but in that fight, was doing a great job of um, sort of outlanding. I'm about to say, but, dude, check yourself. If you're I, about to call right, that right, more right, technical right. than Jose Aldo. <laughs> but uh, in terms of damage, Jose Aldo the clear winner, and that could happen with uh, with uh, Marlon Vera too. The guy just hits hard. Man, he only needs like one or two good flurries to really put it on you. As uh, people told me, supposedly happened in his last fight. Again, I don't think that fight exists. I've never seen footage of it, so <laughs> well, no, it doesn't really need to be discussed. But yeah, uh, he's he's got the power advantage. But Rob Font's got power too. He just again, it it. 
he's he's going to go for volume a lot of the time. And um, but I think his his, his because his best skill is better, and I think he'll be able to keep it primarily a boxing match. Then I have to lean towards Font. But to me, a super competitive fight. I don't see him like even if it is just a boxing match. I don't think he necessarily just like blows uh, uh, Cheeto Vera out of the water. Cheeto Vera is a good striker and and uh, can do, and can uh, is always gonna be looking for that finish. So he, if he's down after three rounds, you know uh, Cheeto is not gonna take the pedal off the off the metal. He's gonna go even harder. Doesn't need open scoring to tell him nothing. He's going for that finish all the time. Um, so five rounds, really good fight. I I don't think the weight uh, miss will be an issue. But this is uh, the Prince of Positivity talking here. So, Jed, you're going Rob Font. How does he get it done? By decision, Cheeto is extremely durable. Cheeto's never been stopped in his career, and there's a reason for that. Um, I think he's going to have his moments. Marlon Vera's a really good fighter. Uh, I will be interested to see if he can really leg kicks. I think that's really going to be a big a big weapon for him against Font and kind of the way Font stands. But ultimately, I just – I like – Font has more volume and a lot more of it, and I don't think either guy is really going to get a stoppage here. And so – Play the numbers. The guy who throws and lands more usually wins. So give me Rob Bump by decision. That's true. Usually wins. And the Jose Aldo fight was a perfect example how that always doesn't work because Font landed a lot more than Jose Aldo, but Aldo landed with more impact. Jose, your official pick for this main event. Uh, Rob Font by decision again, but I think both men will be hurt during this fight because if you remember, like Rob Font lost to Jose Aldo, but he hurt. Jose Aldo in that fight too. Like Jose, I, he might, how many, he won a couple rounds in that, right? Like in the early, in the uh, early fight. I think there's one 49 46, but the rest are sweeps. Okay. Well, the first fight, I think maybe the first or second round was like pretty competitive and it was like a coin. They toss, were, right? oh, they yeah, were all competitive, but for the fact that yeah. Aldo just kept putting him on his ass. I think that, well, I think we can all agree like Jose Aldo's you know five round experience shown and like he it showed off in that and rob font like you know live and learn uh win or learn as as someone once said um so <laughs> i still think i still think rob font's gonna get it done marlon varis as everyone said incredibly durable i think he is well-roundedness is underrated because he actually has a pretty slick ground game he has really he, i mean he trained like his main coach is jason perillo so you know his boxing is on point too he's incredibly lanky i think it's rare when we see someone as lanky as rob font fighting rob font so i think this is just a fun fight all around i think it's going to be like a three rounds to two but or even if it's four to one whoever wins this fight it's going to be hyper competitive the entire time i think it's going to be a coin toss at the end and i I, it's obviously the favorite to win fight of the night when these two fight. I think both men are going to hurt the other man in there at some point, but I just think Rob Font's five-round experience is going to show off in this. Uh, not to say that Marlon Vera can't win. I, it's like 51-49 to me, but I'm going to pick Rob Font by decision. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I can't really add much to that. I think Font wins a decision, but this is one of those fights where – I could see Font winning the first three rounds and then Vera making things real interesting down the stretch. Or I could see this thing being 2-2 going into the fifth and to see who digs who digs down a little bit deeper to get it done. That's the kind of fight I want to see. That fifth round between those two guys, if it's a 2-2 fight, would be really fun just to see who could dig deep. Because we know yeah. Vera's going to go, I mean, all out and see how Font could sort of match that energy. So it should be a I, I really think, good fight for sure. I think Marlon Vera by submission, if that is like – 
if I'm a betting man and that the odds are weird in that, I would throw money on that because Rob Font has been submitted a hand like didn't like Kelleher tap or was it Kelleher? I can't remember. He Kelleher might have tapped Marlon Vera for all I know, but I think Marlon Vera by submission. If that's like a if the line is weird as they say, plus uh, six hundred. I would throw some money on. Yeah. Why not? It was Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz. There you go. So why not? We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Plus 600, yeah. Why the hell not? Fair by sub, real possibility. There you go. Rob Fod's very tough to submit, though. He's not, like, the best wrestler, but he's he's very tough to submit. So we'll see what happens. Great. That, that plus 600 is might be worth a look, so... Chad, I'm going to let you wax poetic on uh, Andre Orlovsky for a moment. Go right ahead. I was just going to say plus 600 is like a 15% probability. I don't know. That feels like that line's probably good, and I wouldn't bet it. That's me, though. Uh, Andre Orlovsky's dope. That's, <laughs> I don't really know what else there is to say. Like This man is – he's about to have his 38th fist fight inside the octagon at heavyweight. Uh, he's – his career is entirely unique, if nothing else. If you don't believe he's the greatest fighter of all time or the greatest heavyweight or the most accomplished UFC heavyweight, totally reasonable to not agree with any of those statements. <laughs> but he, his career is entirely unique to this sport, and probably we will never see it again. Like 
I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know the next time we're going to find a heavyweight who fights, you know, 40 times in in the UFC, but it it probably won't be soon and it especially won't be coming like Andre Olaski was washed two decades ago almost <laughs> like <laughs> like literally we were putting him out to pasture a decade ago when he was like in his early to mid 30s and he'd come off four losses in a row and just getting bolted and we're like oh well he had a great career and then then he came back and then he had another five fight losing streak this time and he came back like he he just won't die and it's incredible that's why at 43 years old, he's still – he's on a three-fight win streak against men half his freaking age. Like he's the man and this fight's going to be ugly probably and terrible. But I don't <laughs> care because it's – I will watch 43-year-old Andre Olaski continue to guile an old man trickery his way to victories in the octagon until he's 50. Like I'm here for it. It'll be an interesting fight, and I think Arlovsky via decision might be one of the easier picks of this card because this is a perfect, this is a tailor-made fight for Arlovsky. Collier's tough and fun and silly, but a good fighter. And there's this aura to Andre Arlovsky, AK. And you see some of these fighters. We saw it with Jared Vandera where they're like, oh, it's it's great to have respect for your opponent coming in, but I feel like some of these up and coming fighters, when they get in there with Arlovsky, it's almost like they have too much respect for him. It's almost like they're lost in the moment. Tanner Bozer, I think kind of dealt with that. I definitely thought he dealt with that, that, that Jared Vandera dealt with that. Like you're in the the cage and you're looking across you're like, Oh my God, it's Andre Arlovsky. What do you think, man? Like Andre Arlovsky still doing the damn thing at this age, heading in on a three fight win streak. Will he make it four? The thing, the weird thing about Arlovsky is, uh, in his second losing streak, not like the first one that had us really, where he got like finished by a bunch of like top ten, top five guys. Uh, he was still, he, he was still only losing decisions. I'm talking, I'm talking about the Sakai, Walt Harris, okay, now Shamil Abdurakimov, uh, even Taito Ivasa. Taito Ivasa couldn't put him away. So yeah, I think there's a mystique element to it. I just think he's also oh. just found that right style. So- just so we're go clear, ahead, AK, ahead, you're ahead, actually yeah. talking about his third losing streak. It's the, oh, because, excuse me. Excuse me. Because the second one was when he was getting knocked out by Miacic and uh, uh-huh, Overeem uh-huh. and, and, yeah. and Ganu. The Ganu. third one was the most recent, the Tuivasa, the Shamila Akamov. Yeah. And that one still, still had people know. saying – yeah, that one still have people saying like, man, maybe Andre can't pull the trigger anymore. He's, you know, he he can go the distance, but if he can't win, what's the point? Why is he hanging around? He just collected. He was getting forty paychecks. years old at that time. He was a he was he was a, a young forty. Now he's four. He turned forty three, I think, in February. So he is uh, forty three years young, by the way, judging by by his results. So I don't think it's just the mystique. I think he's found the right style. Uh, that suits him. That's both defensive and yet somehow he can score enough points to win fights. Of course, again, he is fighting. You know, a, a, a different level of competition than Francis Ngannou, Alistair Overeem, even um, the, that, the third losing streak uh, of Durakhimov. Um, Augustus Kai was actually pretty decent at the time. So he has still struggled to beat top guys. So it could just be beneficiary matchmaking and all that. But uh, he might also just be beyond death. He may, it's possible Andre Lopsy cannot die uh, and, and cannot like actually be harmed anymore. And this is how he is, he is going to every fight knowing this. And again, that is helping him. Uh, immortality is an underrated trait, I feel, in uh, MMA. I, if more people had it, perhaps they would <laughs> have, have the success that Andre Arlovsky is having right now. Um, yeah, but I like Jake Collier as well. I think it's the right opponent for him, both in terms of, you know, he's got some experience. I don't think he'll be wowed. I think he'll 
I think we want to take the fight to Arlovsky, but I do think we still get kind of an Arlovsky-ish uh, fight. I don't know whether win or lose. I don't know. Um, but I do think it, it's going to go to decision again. Uh, and props, by the way, Jake Collier, 265. Championship weight. Well done. Jen, really over really under. Came, you really <laughs> yeah, came sure in 265. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. He was a middleweight, wasn't he? I was going to say, Yes. I thought there was no way. I thought he was coming in. Like, I, when I saw him step the scale, I'm like, oh, probably like maybe 250, like 250, 252, something like that. No, 265. Jed, over under six minutes of work against the fence in this fight. Ooh. Well, now that I know that Collier's at 265, maybe he can get off the fence. <laughs> Just for sheer, <laughs> sheer mass is more difficult to control. Uh I'll say under just because at 265, geez, man, I can't believe that. Okay. Wasn't Vandera like around there when they fought? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm mostly just thinking of it from a Jake Collier perspective. <laughs> this, this man, UFC.com has him listed at 230 for context. So, so that's traditionally the weight he would weigh it at. So that's something. Okay. Jose, what's the what's the main card fight outside of the main event you're looking forward to the most? Mm, let me pull it up right now. I just had it up and I had an answer and then I forgot about it because we were talking about Andre Arlovsky and then we started talking about Jake Collier fighting a middleweight and I was like, oh yeah, that was a thing. So I had to look it up and I was like, wow, he looks like a skeleton. The RFA middleweight champion. Yeah. Um, I would have to say the Andre Feely, uh, Joe Anderson Brito fight or Brito fight, however you announce it, pronounce it. Uh, I think Andre Feely is the man. I think he's got a lot of, uh, I just, not because things just happen. Like his last fight was that his last fight was that weird accidental eye poke right against Daniel Pineda, correct? Yeah, and he was looking tremendous in that fight. Too. Like pitching a pitching an absolute perfect game before that. Like even. Even Daniel Pineda was like, I mean, he was beating my ass in that in there. And like, so I thought they were going to run that back. And then before that, he just happened to run into Bryce Mitchell and just got kind of mushed. And then before that, he had the split decision win over Charles Dordain. And that win has aged beautifully. And then he had that uh, pretty back and forth fight against Sadiq Youssef. And then he's he's lost a lot of split decision fights. And then even before that, like, who did he lose to? Holloway, Cater, Michael Johnson, I want to say. And I... There's another one in there I can't remember. And then obviously he lost to Bryce Mitchell and Sadiq Youssef. So he's like losing to the best of the best, but maybe not top five, but like top eight, top 10 featherweights in the world. And it seems like every time I interview Andre Feely, he's like, this is the year. This is the year I'm going to push for that title. And then he makes this run and then he does it. And then something bad happens and he hasn't been able to fight as frequently as he wanted to. He also happens to be like a legit comic book fan. I think he is the only one in the world of MMA that can rival my bookshelf in terms of deep cuts, you know, not like just the surface level knowledge, but I think he's absolutely fantastic at fist fighting. Brito, I think he did an interview. Was it with us? I believe it might've been with Guy or someone else where he's like, Andre Feely's past his prime. He's peaked. I'm going to go out there and crush him. So, uh, I'm very excited for that fight. So if you ask me for one fight that I'm going to watch outside of the main event, it's probably that one. Oh, AK, I didn't even ask you outside. I mean, I asked you about the polls. I know how those important, how important those are to you. What's your gymnastic scale for this card? Ugh. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, wow, that was, I a, guess that was a horrible sound. 
Ugh. I'm guessing I'm going to be against the will of the people because it's 48% font versus bear. I mean, maybe I, I, I should have just gone with a typical number scale because I think people are just, I mean, obviously we're all jazzed about the main event. So maybe they think I'm asking, are you just jazzed about the main event? Because if that's the case, then yeah, fine. It's a really, bantamweights, you can't go wrong. Two hard swinging bantamweights, I love it. Uh, 25 minutes for them, I, I love that. So, but Or people have just actually looked at this card. 48% picking option number one. I think the most, like the most favorable option. Um <laughs> So, but my net scale is not high. Um, I think there's the matchmaking on this card. It's I, I almost wish they'd done more like squashy matches. I think they they think they're it's it's a little too balanced, like in a bad way. I think like they they put inexperienced people with inexperienced people. They they got they got that level right, like as far as far as um the level of competition. So I, I sense like a lot of decisions, which isn't always a bad thing. But I'm not predicting like a lot of decisions that are necessarily all going to be like bangers. So I don't know if it can go much higher than like a. The main card's not bad, but I, 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 you know I'm going to be really generous here. I'll say a seven, a seven point oh on the dot. I think if everything works out and we get a banger main event, we'll say this was a seven seven point oh means like that's, that was a good card. I'm glad I tuned in. So like if everything goes right, then that's the feeling I have. But I, I cannot imagine this being like a oh my gosh, this was the best card of the year. This was the best card of of even April. So. Sorry, guys. I'm trying to be positive here. Seven, I think, is high, higher than most people are, are, are would put it. I love how you mentioned yeah. that the, the the squash match weight compared to like competitive weight is yeah. is is not where it should be. Yet we have the big. According to the betting lines, we're expecting oh. the biggest squash match in the history oh, of the yes. UFC in the heavyweight division with Alexander Romanov and Chase Sherman. Still minus twenty two hundred. Still. It's just an absolutely insane line. Like we don't even see these lines in Bellator. Like when you have a five and zero fighter taking on like an zero and six fighter, we're not seeing minus twenty two hundred favorite lines. This is absolutely insane. Jed, what is uh, what is your fight outside of the main and the co-main event? Of course, I'm taking that off your plate. That you're looking forward to the most, and why? Mm, um, uh, I, Andre Feely is really fun. <laughs> So that's that's probably it. But like, there is just not a lot here, <laughs> and I am sorry. Uh, you know, the prelim card is Dave, Davidson Figueroa's brother, who, who's like way way worse than him, is fighting. So that's I like. There's just not a lot to hold on to here. Like, honestly, the best fight is either Elkins Conley or Jocko Mearshart. But both of those are probably going to be horror shows to watch. So this is, you know, do what makes you happy, people. But if you have other things going on this week, you you can just tune in to MMAfighting.com, greatest website in the world, and we'll let you know if anything exciting happens. We'll, we'll put the video highlights up there. You can just click on those. Be great. Be a great time. So there's some interesting ones here. The Romanov-Sherman fight, I, I mean, I don't think I could be more interested in any other fight on this card. I just can't wait to see how it plays out. Like, I cannot wait to see if he, if he covers a minus 2,200. I'm interested in that fight purely because I put some money down on Chase Sherman by oh, not. KO yeah. in, in, like, every oh, round. KO. Yeah, because the prop bets – because he's plus 1,100, but he's yeah. not – what, is he going to win a decision? 
Come on, if he's going to do it, it's going to be Romanov blows his gas tank and Chase gets him. So, and you can get oh. it plus it's plus seventy five hundred for Chase Sherman by third round KO. <laughs> a, a freak injury counts as a knockout, right? It's like a TKO. Sure does. Right? So does oh, a DQ. Like a DQ Jackson, counts a that was my next question. Can you bet on a KO, DQ? It's KO TKO DQ. Oh, Mike Jackson I like cashed that. for me last week. So, you know, oh wow, there's, there's a lot of opportunity here. Uh, I do think that line's insane. I believe that Romanov's going to win, but I don't know. Like, that's just a really high line. Yeah, I, Mike, yeah. I, I, I was listening to, to Heck of a Morning today, and someone said uh, there was someone who was very vehement about betting on it. And, I, you know, I normally tell people don't bet on MMA ever, but – Really, if you're the kind who does it normally and you're like, you know, if you have like a, a gambling budget for every, every like UFC card and you're like, ah, you know, you like to sprinkle like t- – I had a re- roommate who would spend like maybe like 20, 20 bucks on every UFC card just for fun, just to make things more interesting for himself. You there, you could do a lot gambling worse than putting 20 fun. bucks. I, I'm not a fan, but you could do a lot worse than putting 20 bucks on on uh, um, Sherman winning outright or as Jed said, uh, uh, f- five, ten bucks a round, you know, because it's this is MMA. For someone to be that favorite is just like absurd. It's just so there's so many freaky things that can happen, and, and that we've seen happen recently. We've just had like what we've had a run of like technical decisions. We've had a freaky DQs. We've had a weird stoppages. We just saw like uh, the the title fight in Bellator, the flyweight title fight, just had a weird stoppage. This is MMA. Anything can happen. So again, if you want, like, what? So like, if you bet like ten dollars, what does that win you? Like, if you just say bet uh, on Sherman win outright, what's that? What's that would get you? Sherman, you win one hundred and ten dollars. Yep, you win one hundred and ten dollars. That's crazy. You win a hundred bucks if there's some free. I don't know. But again, if, trust Jed. He, Jed's the gambling he, guy. Trust Jed. I I I don't bet, but if you bet anyway, that's Sherman a fight to K- bet on. Sherman KO in round three is plus seventy five hundred, which implies about a one percent probability. Oh my god! If they fought a hundred times. I very much see that as being within the realm of those one hundred outcomes. So, so I ten dollars, AK would win you seven fifty. You get seven fifty if it's a third round. That's for ten buck bet. <laughs> Gambling is crazy. This shouldn't be legal. Um, I hope we don't I mean, get one of those. It's basically uh, the same as the stock market, just <laughs> with fist fights. So it's great. I hope. Oh, can I ask? Can I ask this question? Can uh-huh. I ask this question? Go for it. If Chase Sherman, if Chase Sherman. Goes out there and stops Alexander Romanov tomorrow. Is he, the, is, is he the fighter of the year right now? No, but it would be the most MMA thing in the world for the UFC to have cut this dude like a month ago. And then he comes in on short notice. The fight gets pushed back a week. And then he just blows up this undefeated, like one of the most unicorn of unicorns, an undefeated actual true heavyweight prospect. And Chase Sherman freaking blows it up. It'd be incredible. That would be interesting theater. By the way, shout out. I didn't I didn't give a sleeper. I just want to quickly shout out uh, Jocko Mearshart. Listen, listen, this is a middleweight fight. If there ever was one, I understand. This is either going to be a super ugly Jocko <laughs> win because that's what he does or a GM3 submission victory. I think I'm going Mearshart, I think. Uh, but I kind of like this fight to open the main card. I think it's going to be the right kind of middleweight like sloppiness, the kind that the kind that AK, mom used to make. In the gambling column, I describe this fight as the middleweightiest of middleweight mm-hmm. fights. It really is. That's what it, <laughs> it is. really is. Uh, uh, something else that my, my question on this morning show, man, we got to shout out Mirshart losing that fight to Shemaev and bouncing back three straight submission victories. How can you? Know? The guy's got twenty, like the twenty-six career submissions. That's that's Olinic esque. <laughs> He is. He was. He was the on the receiving end of one of the most posterizing knockouts in the history of the promotion, and he like has so much fun with it. 
He just he's so open and honest about it. Just has fun with it. Like the day of UFC 273, the tweet of the year. Over under how many times they're gonna show the knock up my the, <laughs> the, the knock time should I have knocked me dead in 17 seconds or whatever it was. So that's a great fight. I'm very excited. I, I think a fun one, just a fun scrap stylist. Mike Breeden and, and Natan Levy will be fun. Those two guys are gonna get after it. They both need a win. And then I'm very intrigued and excited to see Tetsuro Tyra make his UFC debut against Carlos Candelario. A lot of a lot of hype around this young man, Tetsuro Tyra. So uh yeah, interview dropping on MA Fighting either later on today or tomorrow. I spoke with him. What a delightful young man he is. Just a delightful guy. That's so Tara? that's the UFC card. Tyra, yeah. Yeah, uh, I believe he's going to be another addition to the Weeb Army in the UFC. I'm gonna. This is going to sound real. This might be the nerdiest thing I've ever said on any MMA fighting show, but he was doing the horse symbol, which you use with fire jutsus and the Naruto thing. Don't regret anything I just said, but he was like so that was like the UFC's official photo of him was like doing Naruto hands hand signs. I was like sick, and I was like he's on my team now. AK, start a poll. Uh, did you understand what Jose just said? Yes or no? Just two spots. Just two spots, and we'll see. Uh, I really, just, I, I would, I'd really just put no and no. I think would be save us time. <laughs> no, some there are definitely some people who are like in on it. I'm like yeah. I don't know what it is. I'm that was never my bag, but I'm sure that some of our fans are are fans of Naruto. I'm out of touch. I'm out of touch. Yes. Well, I mean, Jose is a fan of that. He's also a a very big fan of professional boxing. And we have ourselves a big yeah. professional boxing boat tomorrow <laughs> night inside now, Jose the world's most famous Dardu sets up card. Jose's the like, let's get done with this. <laughs> let's talk about real stuff. Did you see him this like that meme. his chair? He's like, let's yeah. go. This, this is, is that meme when meme. like something you're like playing and then you just like lean forward when you get to yeah. the hard level. That's what happens. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is exactly Here we what go. Just Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano. Yeah. We have talked about we talked about this on BTL a little bit. We've talked about it throughout the week. I think they have done a tremendous job promoting this fight. There's one thing I'm having an issue with, and I want to get your thoughts on this a little bit later, Jose. But mm-hmm. it seems like a very, very big deal in New York. That ceremonial weigh-in today was loud. It was boisterous. There was so much energy. You had Team Puerto Rico, Team Brooklyn on one side. You had Team Ireland on the other side. Things are getting dicey. The fans are into it. Even the undercard fighters are into it. It just seems like a very massive deal. And by the way, we have WWE jumping on board here. Bianca Belair is out here welcoming Amanda Serrano to the stage. Becky Lynch cuts an A-plus promo in support of Katie Taylor. Well done. This has been – this is high-level stuff. Like how much more excited are you for this fight tomorrow after seeing everything that went down this afternoon? I don't care uh, what they do to hype the fight. That's all for the fans that like are iffy, like, oh, should I sell this fight, this and that. So they're doing the right thing for to get people that may not have cared before invested. Uh, specifically, like, you know, the fact that Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, who I believe are like two of the four, five most popular women's wrestlers on planet Earth right now, not just in the WWE. So the fact that they're bringing th- those two in there, because like a lot of this build has been 
you know, like women making history, first time they headline Madison Square Garden, first time women sell out, like for all the belts, number one versus number two. And I think a lot of what is being lost here is the fact that outside of the history making that they're doing, this fight is just absolutely fantastic. But obviously the prize fighters do have to get people to care because there's a lot of good boxing matches that people don't watch because they don't know it it's happening or they don't know whether they should care or not or they just they're unaware of the stakes at play so what matchroom boxing what most valuable promotion is doing they're knocking it out of the park like jake paul is a polarizing figure i'm not a fan of the man of the the man as a man but he gets people outside of the boxing world to tune in which you need and amanda serrano and katie taylor deserve all the eyes on them because as i said they are the two best you look at that press conference no trash talk between the two boxers no trash talk at the weigh-ins it was it's very 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 respectful all the promotion they're leading into this knocked it out of the park this has a big fight feel and it deserves that so i love everything they're doing all all this all the theatrics i don't want that for every single event only for the major ones this deserves everything that's happening right now Okay, so <clears throat> there's certain air horn well deserved. There are certain theatrics that I have enjoyed throughout the build of this fight. I like the fact that they're sending these women out everywhere, that they're promoting this fight everywhere. They're on Good Morning America. This is how you build stars. This is how you build buzz, yada, yada, yada. I like the WWE thing. I like just everything about it. The one concern I had is coming to fruition every second we get close to this fight, that the focus comes off the boxers and onto the promoters. It comes on to Jake Paul and comes on to Eddie Hearn more so than the fighters. I was concerned about it. I actually thought it would be worse, but I'm starting to get that feeling that some of the, some of the buzz, some of the weight of this is, uh, is getting more on Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn more so. But I get where you're coming from, Jose, when you're saying like Jake Paul does a really good job of getting outside eyes and outside ears on this promotion, the fight, having people talk about it. But I feel like we're kind of, we're flirting with that line. Am I crazy? I think people that like boxing understand. I think we like the mixed martial arts world is, I think is tuning in because of Jake Paul and because of Eddie Hearn. Like them, obviously like Jake Paul has been on the MMA hour bunch. Eddie Hearn was just on the MMA hour. So they're promoting the fight. But if you, if you were like, saw the videos there, like people from Ireland flew in for this, people from Puerto Rico flew into this. So the boxing world, they're shutting like it's shutting down like take jake paul and eddie hearn out of the equation the boxing world cares so i get what you're saying i think a lot of the mma world is like tuning in for this but that's just what they do like eddie hearn does this for every single boxing match ever like he does every interview he does every scrum jake paul does every interview every scrum i think the mma world is just on not used to their promoters just talking a lot that we only see dana white pretty much doing the media rounds on fight week with yahoo with espn bt sport um uh the what's the uh the tsn that's the that's the canadian channel right ak yeah, correct. Yeah, so so there he's he's used to doing all of that, all of the broadcasters. And then, you know, we barely hear from Scott Coker outside of fight weeks. He does like the scrums before and after. Boxing promoters, this is what they've done for hundreds of years. They do every interview and they sell the fight. I just think the MMA world is not used to it. Uh, but take that out of the equation. I still feel the boxing world 
just very, 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 because this is a match. This is a fight that is not like, oh, this just came together. They've been talking about this fight for years. It w- this was going to happen. when it- So Eddie Hearn ba- didn't have the apex. He was holding events in like his backyard. Like he had a, like a boxing ring and like people to like stream and everything in like his house that people were watching. So they were going to do this there. It didn't happen. And thank God they actually have like no one was going to be in attendance. Amanda Serrano came. Taylor were going to fight in front of nobody and again I joked that I would watch that it's not necessarily a joke because I would but these two women deserve all the hype they're getting this regardless of who's promoting this fight this fight would sell I think they're just adding they're adding they're gonna they're just adding buys to what have already been a massive deal Right. And I, I agree with you. Like individually, I it's it's not the individual scrums and all that stuff, them getting out there and promoting the fight. I got no issue with that. It's the them together and doing different things sure, together sure, sure. and the trash talk between it's become I mean, it should be about uh, it should be a million percent about Taylor versus Serrano and, and everything these women is, have done. And not any This Hearn is what happens. This is what happens and like this was always going to happen when you ever you co-promote because they're basically like Jake Paul is selling Amanda, Eddie Hearn is selling Katie Taylor. Like remember when Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather fought, it was all like the two promoters always had to one up because it was like Showtime versus HBO. Like the like, and then remember like even Manny Pacquiao and everyone like because the fights were happening at MGM, but Manny Pacquiao had a deal with the Mandalay Bay, so they had to be like, we also want to thank the Mandalay Bay for letting us stay and this and that. So like they have to constantly one up each other. So this was always going to happen. I just think Jake Paul has is more polarizing than any boxing promoter since like. I don't know, like Don King for like different reasons, I would say. Um, and I think Jake Paul has just finally met his match. Cause Eddie Hearn is like, like looks like a dad, like talking down to his son. Cause Eddie Hearn is the man, <laughs> like the best boxing promoter in the world. And I just, I hate him. I hate him so much because he's so good at everything he does. Like after this, after you do this and after you go read all of MMA fighting's content and you do your DraftKings stuff, go YouTube Eddie Hearn karaoke. The man sings beautifully and in the middle of the song changes the lyrics to promote his own boxing event. I'm like, God, I hate this guy so much. He's so talented and I hate him. He's so good at everything. So uh, good luck anyone topping Eddie Hearn because he has an answer for everything. Yes, of course. If you missed the ceremony away and Jake Paul was asked by Todd Grisham, what does this moment mean to you to be able to have Amanda Serrano? What has she meant for your promotion? And Jake Paul is like, I'm not here to talk about that right now. What I'm here to say is Ireland, all your Irish fans, I feel bad for y'all because this could be the start of the Katie Taylor losing streak, just like your boy Conor McGregor. And I was like, it just the, the it's, chorus of booze. And that's, and that's, that's interesting because in in Ireland – like worldwide, Connor is obviously more famous. He's one of the most famous athletes in the world. In Ireland, I, I've heard from many people that Katie Taylor is kind of held in higher regard than Connor. Like Connor is famous, he's notorious, he's like a cel- he is cel- a celebrity. But Katie Taylor is like more beloved in Ireland. So the fact that they're comparing those two is a little strange to me. Jed, your thoughts on the promotion, the fight, everything about it? Fight's good. Uh, I think the promotion is good, largely because, like, I think Jose's right. We we don't get to see promoters who actually care because that's 
at a baseline. Like that's where it is. Like both of these two gentlemen who are promoting their fighters care about maximizing this event and the UFC does not. And they haven't for years, but what Dana, Dana doesn't ever go out and do interviews. He does the same ones that he has to, to say the same talking points over and over again for every, every pay-per-view that comes up. But they don't have to sell. They have their baseline guarantee from ESPN. They have their guaranteed money on, on their pay-per-views from ESPN as a sell. Like they, they just aren't committed to having to scrap for it, which is ironic because as Dana has famously said, you know, once you get money, then you don't fight for shit or whatever paraphrase that quote is. And the UFC got a lot of money and now they don't promote for shit. Uh, so that's what this is. And so it's fun. It is nice and interesting to watch people who are actively invested in making this the biggest bout they can be. And that's why they're partnering with the WWE and doing all these sorts of things. To your point, Mike, I I think that, that you're, you're probably a little right. And I also think that it was just incredibly inevitable based on all the circumstances of, you know, I like Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor, but Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn are more charismatic individuals than they are. And so they're going to start taking some of that spotlight away. Uh, it, in some respects, they're really bringing more eyeballs to it. So it's a net gain, but also in the same way, like, you know, they're, I think where I would draw the line is once you start getting the Eddie Hearn and Jake Paul conversations together outside of having their fighters there, then that's, that feels like, all right, well, I, I don't really care that much to watch these two guys who aren't fighting and who are ostensibly supposed to be promoting a thing talk about whatever they're going to talk about. So that's sort of where I'm with you on it, but I think it's just the inevitable outcome. And in the end, it doesn't matter because they their involvement has brought far more attention to this from outside sources than it would have. So it, it's on the two fighters. It's on Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano to take this opportunity of having the most eyeballs they will ever have on them and convert that into diehard lifelong fans. And they will see what happens, you know, tomorrow night. They're, they're going to have a big platform in the biggest stadium in the world, basically, uh, certainly the most iconic. And they, you know, to try and make themselves a truly household name and kind of reach a level of stardom that we really haven't seen uh, all that much in women's boxing. Yeah, huge opportunity for both women. Like I said, I have quite, I had questions about the promotion. The promotion is still an A to an A plus for me because people care and they've done a great job and they've got these women everywhere and they're making them stars. These two women looked like stars on that stage today and they were treated as such in that theater. So really well done. AK, your thoughts, uh, closing thoughts on this fight before we go to the peeps. Just, I, I just want to bring another a little point about Eddie Hearn's uh, promotional skills. Uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely much more of a, a casual fan when it comes to boxing, um, so I don't, I'm not the type that's going to pay super close attention to like how the promoter conducts themselves during like a press conference. But I was watching the um, him promoting the undercard, and I'm not saying this would work in uh, for the UFC or for any MMA promotion, but it was just amazing to me why a large segment of MMA fans view like Dana White as a good promoter for some reason. And when he doesn't really do any actual promoting, and then you see how uh, a boxing promoter like Eddie Hearn does it. So, so for anyone, to, you guys can find the replay online. For anyone who didn't see Eddie Hearn, kind of, he's kind of hosting the undercard. A lot of uh, probably you know uh, boxers who aren't even known in the boxing world, but he like before he introduced any of them, he kind of goes over their accolades, and then he'll ask each fighter like a couple of questions, really to get them to expand, not not only expand on their story. 
but clearly in such a way to get them to show off their personality. And he did this with every boxer on the undercard. Again, would that work in the UFC? I don't know. But let's just take, for example, the UFC 274 card uh, that's coming up. Uh, now, this has a lot of well-known veterans and names in MMA Shore, but let's imagine you're trying to sell them uh, this for, to people who aren't aware of them, who like, oh, they're not, they're not let's say, a uh, casual person, doesn't know Joel Lazan, um, isn't familiar for whatever reason with Shogun Hua or OSP or something like that. And imagine if Dana White sat down and did a separate like press conference with them and did this thing where he's like, okay, Joel Lazan, you're one of the pioneers <laughs> of the lightweight division. Uh, I know, now it's, get, now it's getting ridiculous. Oh, should I do my Dana voice? Should I do? Okay. And imagine imagine a softer, gentler Rodney Dana field. And he's like, Hey, hey uh, Joel Lazar, hey, you're one of the pioneers of the lightweight division. We haven't seen you in a couple of years. Where have you been? You know, you're one of the most beloved fighters. You've got some of the most bonuses in UFC history. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And then and did the same thing with Don Cerrone and did the same thing with Ovin St. Preux and did the same thing with uh, uh, Shogun Hua. You don't need to sell Chandler Ferguson. Again, this card might not be the best example. But just imagine if he had done – and not just for this card. Imagine if he did that for every pay-per-view, right, and had been, had been doing that for years. And may find fans would certainly find it a bit weird at first, but it's that kind of approach I really would like to see more of. And this is what we mean when we criticize oh, you Dana White. Actual promotion. Yeah, this is what I mean. And again, I know MMA and boxing very different beasts, but I think if people watch that, they'd be like shocked. They'd be like, "Oh wow, hey. like you can do that! Like you can just kind of talk to your fighters like they're human beings and kind of like promote their stories and get people to know more about them and and not like not publicly challenge them and call them cowards like." That's weird. I didn't know promoters could do that. Like, it, it was very refreshing to see. And um, but I do agree with the bit with the overshadowing from Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn. But also, as Jose mentioned, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, they did all the media stuff, but they're not they're not going to bring that level of um, that people like to see that uh, any any sort of mudslinging, any sort of like, oh, I, I really want you know, I don't like this person thing. And we're not getting that from Hearn and Paul either. But they're at least there's that kind of personal rivalry that edge, that headline grabbing edge. Um, and I think that complements the fight well. It, it has a start to overshadow it a little bit, maybe, but we do have fight night uh, tomorrow. So, so I think it's it's it just it, they stop right at the point where it might have become too much. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens tomorrow uh, if there's even more trash talk before or after. But I, I didn't think it, it took away from uh, this historic uh, fight that's going to headline MSG. All right, let's go to the peeps. Take a few questions ahead of uh, a very big night tomorrow. Also, let's not forget, like, boxing promoters have for, like, a hundred years also feuded with their fighters as well. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there's a poll, by the way. People, there is a poll. Please vote. Just Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, who you got? Uh, Katie Taylor leading right now, 55%. And she is still... Who are you picking, Jose? Oh, that's... Yeah. Uh, I'm picking... I think... So I said this on BTL yesterday, but for people that haven't watched that yet or you know are here watching live i think katie taylor is the best better boxer of the two of the two like if if you can't like amanda serrano goes out there and tries to win a boxing match she's going to lose amanda serrano hits hard and she's incredibly talented and she is at worst the second best female boxer in the world maybe third because like you know clarissa shields it's not fair to her because she's not in the same weight class, so she doesn't get this shine. The best women's boxers in the world are Katie Taylor, Clarissa Shields, Amanda Serrano. Two of them just happen to be able to fight. Whoever wins this fight, you could argue, is the best, maybe the greatest ever in the history of women's boxing. Katie Taylor is one of those boxers that has no problem being on the outside, being on the inside, sticking and moving, or just melting you. She wins a lot of decisions. Amanda Serrano also wins a lot of decisions, but she can also hurt you and put you away. Now, Katie Taylor hasn't shown too many weaknesses, but if there is one that Amanda Serrano could take advantage of, Katie Taylor doesn't necessarily fight too well on her back foot. 
with pressure coming at her. If she meets you in the middle, like, and just clangs, Katie can win that fight. If a man's around just pushes, 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 pushes nonstop over 10, 12 rounds, Katie Taylor could lose that fight. But if this goes to a decision, I fully expect Katie Taylor to win. I cannot believe that she is an underdog. Uh, I, if I was a betting man, I would put money on Katie just for the, I would, whoever was the underdog in this fight, I would put money on. But the fact that it's Katie, I would put money on her. I think that might have, have to do with her last fight. She looked every bit 34, 35, maybe the age is catching up to her. Um, but I'm glad this fight is happening nonetheless. And I, I'm picking Katie Taylor to win. I just think she's the better boxer. All right. Question. To the peeps, Casey, to the peeps. I'm actually so, I'm uh, all I care about is this boxing match right now because I, yeah. I, I think it's so well promoted. Um, it is. What? I mean, what crazy you, how promotion can make you care about like, something. For, I, like, I, for example, wow. yeah. like, for example, before this, some of the bitter, bigger women's boxing matches have been like on the Man of Serrano's, the Katie Taylor's and this and that. But like when like Layla Ali fought like Joe Frazier's daughter or something like that, like that was billed as like – or niece or whoever like like they who laid Joe Frazier. This was like in the '90s or early 2000s. It was like billed as like Frazier versus Ali four, and like <laughs> Frazier's like Frazier's daughter niece whoever was like had like almost no fights. So that was the selling point. Or I can't quite remember who it was, and I'm gonna be really annoyed because I'm gonna remember it as soon as we go off air. Someone had to go up like four weight classes to fight Layla Ali and just that- got dismantled that was the king of the hill episode when um luann platter became a boxer and fought an ali uh she fought uh freedom no, foreman ja- in that oh episode. it was a foreman it was a foreman yeah. sorry yeah it was no. a foreman Layla Ali fought, fought jackie frazier lied who was frazier's daughter yeah and how what was her record when they fought uh when, 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 she when, was seven and oh yeah, so that's not great well but like those one, are one one no contest and fought a bunch of people who I would say. Yeah. Oh, Christy. So Christy Martin, I think there's like actually a, a Netflix documentary on her. She yeah. was like the face of women's boxing for a long time. Uh, and she had, she was like number one pound for pound. She sold fights. Well, she was the first real one to lean into like, Oh, I'm a beautiful woman that can just beat your ass. And Layla Lee was obviously the bigger fighter and like both physically and like name wise, because her name is Ali. So Christy Martin had to go way up in weight and just got smashed. Like that fight, her Christy Martin's corner should have thrown in a towel for sure. That was a, that was their fault. But that's what I want to ask but, about this fight. Is is Serrano going up in weight to meet Taylor, or are they around the yes. same weight? They're the same. Yeah, oh, they're, they're okay. the same. Oh, are okay. They? So they were kind of like on this well, parallel paths. They were. It wasn't like. Well, Amanda has fought in a lot of weight classes. Serrano, She's like Serrano has yeah. climbed up like Pacquiao. Basically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So she started like I want to say like super flyweight, and like is now like has gone all the way up to light welterweight. But she's basically just like clean out division, clean out division, clean out division, clean out division. But right now it's they're the same weight. All right. Yeah, because her uh, Serrano's last fight was at this weight class too, right? That was the, that was the first one at that weight class, right? Because Miriam Gutierrez, yeah, and she yeah, and yeah. Gutierrez fought Taylor right before she fought Serrano, yeah. 
and that's yeah. why they made that. But fight. before okay. that, like like the Mercado and the Bermudas fights were for the the featherweight titles, and before that, she fought at like light welterweight. I want to say in like 2018, 2017. Before that, she fought at uh, bantamweight because I know she was the WBO and WBAN champion. So she's she's climbing. She's the, I think the only female to uh, have like weight championships in four weight classes or five weight classes or something like that. Uh, but she has the most. Regardless, she she has the most. Yeah, she has the most championships over the most amount of weight classes in like women's history. And I think it's like her, Manny Pacquiao, and Oscar De La Hoya, maybe one other, are the only fighters in like ever, any gender, to win championships in like six weight class, six or seven weight classes total. Yeah, the, the last yeah, female boxing. Seven different weight classes. The last female boxing match I remember ever getting um, or even hearing about, honestly, and going on my way to watch was. Um, uh, this fight, Shields versus Hammer, which was a main event on yeah, Showtime, yeah, yeah. but that wasn't like in an arena. That was still in just at a a, a big hotel ballroom. So this is this is something yeah. way different, and this is um. Yeah, I'm just also super, super excited. Also, yeah. let's let's not forget Amanda Serrano was undefeated in submission grappling as like far back as like 2018, 2019, and she's undefeated and in MMA. MMA. And I'm not, yeah. and I'm not even. It's not like no name. Like she's fighting in Kabachi America as an icon fighting. She might have fought like last year in MMA. And when Ronda was on the cover she, she of the Ring fight Magazine, last year in MMA. <laughs> yeah. And when Ronda was on the cover of Ring Magazine, Amanda Serrano was like, "I want to fight Ronda because I'll crush her." She was like the first one that was like, "Let's throw down. I'll fight you in MMA or boxing." And she had a. I know she had a tryout for WWE, and I know she, her like main trainer, in wrestling was like the Amazing Red who. AK, I don't have to tell you. He's kind of like one of the most influential wrestlers of I'm like here. our generation. He's the man. So she is, without a doubt, one of the five greatest combat f- athletes in all of women's sports. I just think Katie Taylor might be a better boxer right now. And there's it's a box match. Hey, and I know I know everyone's got issues with Jake Paul as a person, but as a promoter, mm-hmm. amazing job with Serrano because she did mm-hmm. all this stuff. And honestly. I had never really heard of her until Jake Paul really started pushing her. And, um, yeah, yeah, good on him. I think Eddie Hearn was the missing ingredient yeah. for this because he can promote. We need the other side. If, you need the other side. If anyone – like because Eddie Hearn can – look, me and our, our, our colleague, our friend Oscar Willis, like we joke that Eddie Hearn can sell anything. And if anyone runs into Oscar Willis in the wild, mm-hmm. ask him to do his Eddie Hearn impression. But give him two random things because when we were stuck on Fight Island for a week, I would just I'd be like, Eddie, sell me a fight between like a jellyfish and a hamster. And then Oscar would just like oh, jellyfish turn into day. Eddie turn into Eddie Hearn <laughs> and just but see that's the answer. But Eddie Hearn could make you think, is it a hamster? Is is it a hamster? Like Eddie Hearn could sell me that that fight is 50-50. That's how good I mean, of a promoter he is. It's gonna depend on where we're having it. What's the terrain? Yeah, because if it's on Equal. land, obviously the hamster wins. It's in the if we've got like in a the marshy air. situation. Yeah. Nope, it's in the, in the air. air. Equal footing. Yeah, it's what like, kind it's, of jellyfish? There's a big range in jellyfish. <laughs> Portuguese man of war, baby. I'm trying to derail no, this. So we don't not not a per, not questions. a Portuguese man of war. All right. All right. Anyway, Casey, can you, can you grab that Zabit question later when you have a chance? Yes, I. I, I For an hour this. later, I got this. I, got I trust this. you. I just yeah. I'm here to help you. Yeah. I want to be. Oh. I want to be you someday. We all know this. That's not a secret. All right, all right, all right. Casey, do you wear do you wear chains like AK? I didn't ever knew. I've never seen AK wear a chain until right now. 
I think he always does just Winged out. That's, that's way too much just, skin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, look at you, AK. Damn. AK, now, now AK's gonna we, can't, we can't monetize this now, AK. Way, way to go. Listen, no, 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 no. <laughs> listen, I'm not apologizing to the uh, viewers. I'm apologizing to the podcast listeners. You just missed the show. <laughs> Got to tune in. All right. Uh, where is that Zibby question? Tarps um, off, everybody. Just shirtless for the rest of the app. <laughs> is this another Is Zabit ever going to fight again question? Yeah. Here we go. Just that's a Zabit. Did he say he was retiring though? Did he say I'm done fighting? No, because I, I, I don't see think that. it was that clear. Uh, it, it's it's just it's just people. It's sort of extrapolated from a post he made. Says so he's going to start working with this uh, medical organization, and you know, uh, uh, previous comments he's made about being like disillusioned with uh, MMA. Uh, Ariel talked about it on the MAR recently, saying like, you know, it has to do with his religion too. His religion has kind of sort of maybe guided him in another direction. Very religious person. But I, uh, sorry, Casey, I did want to request it because I have to. This I have to direct it to Jed. Jed, if Sabit is leaving MMA to become a doctor, is this the Good biggest move. loss to our business since Cole Conrad decided to leave to, to 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 trade milk futures? No, but I it's it's equally as it? as good a choice. Like <laughs> Cole Conrad is actually a worse choice because Cole Conrad was fighting at heavyweight and could still probably beat up like half the UFC's top ten tomorrow off. Yeah. Couch, so he could have made a lot of money in Bellator, <laughs> the Bellator heavyweight division. He would still reign. He would still just be getting a paycheck to beat up a dude twice a year. It would be fine. Zabit obviously fights in a much more competitive division, but yeah, this is a great choice. Uh, if you aren't called to be a fighter, don't don't do that. And uh, even if you are called and you have the means and the ability to pursue a a profession that can compensate you well without jeopardizing your health. And in this instance, also like help the greater good and humanity and, and your community. Great choice to be fully support you. All right. Uh, I just want to throw this comment up because I like it a lot. Jen Mishu is the Arlovsky of MMA media. It just keeps grinding out wins even after occasional devastating losses. I mean that's 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 about as true of a statement ever. <laughs> you just you just got to get back out, get back out there, and yeah. go to work. Get on the horse. Let's go. All right, what else we got? Joseph Boza with Chase Sherman getting a win shocked yeah. the hell out of Vegas books. I ask because Romanov is minus twenty two hundred. I haven't seen a minus twenty two hundred in MMA outside of Valentina. I don't think Valentina's been a minus twenty two hundred. I think she's been like a minus fourteen hundred. I don't think she's been that high. Like I haven't seen, I've never seen a lie that high in the UFC. Yeah, I can't think of one. This very well could be the the highest line that the UFC has ever had for an active fight. It's weird because Romanov yeah. just doesn't have. I didn't. I didn't think he had that. I, I know it's betting wise, but I just think it's so low in the card too. I just think I didn't think Romanov had that hype behind him, but maybe I'm wrong. I guess, or maybe well, just he people, got yeah, jacked. We've all been really high on him. Yeah. Well, I know media and, wise, and but not like got, the UFC. The UFC jacked. hasn't like been pushing him. Like, like does does Dana even know who he is? Like, if you it could even recognize him. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, well, well, guys, I, 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 he definitely doesn't recognize him now. Now that he's, he's Uber yeah. dog. <laughs> so um, okay, so shocking, right, but I, I, was, I was incorrect. I was incorrect. Oh. Valentina, Valentina Shevchenko is a, my, a close as a minus twenty five hundred. Nope, oh. she closes a minus twenty five hundred against Jennifer Maya. Jennifer Maya, really? Oh wow! Not as against Lauren Murphy or Jessica I. <laughs> Lauren Murphy was Jeez. a she was a minus nineteen hundred. Uh, Jessica I she closed a minus fifteen hundred. 
I'll, See, let, let me say that Murphy the last had a time path to victory. Jessica, I, there's never a chance. <laughs> Uh, the last time I remember an undercard fight, like not undercard, excuse me, preliminary fight like this, getting a like double, uh, what we call it, quadruple digits um, odds like this would be. Uh, I'm sure it's happened before, but do so you remember la- who, last who, week <laughs> on, on literally, UFC? Which, literally, which one was? <laughs> literally, Barry over Jackson. Barry was like minus twelve hundred. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Even this fight. What was this fight? The first time it was booked. About the same. About not the, like close no, to Barry the, Jackson. The line, this. the line actually moved a lot towards Romanov. He a was ton. people saw his physique. Like, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Chase Sherman was plus eight hundred last week, and now oh, okay, he's okay. plus eleven. So that line that line substantially shifted. I remember when Joey Beltran had to fight. Which Gracie was it? Um, my gosh, this heavyweight Gracie that they said was going to like take over the this. You know, this Did is the Joey guy Beltran that's going to fight Roger. No, 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 no. It was no. someone. They only fought once in the UFC, and I think they retired. Uh, Hollis. Hollis Gracie. Uh, he fought Hollis Gracie, I, I believe. Oh, no. Okay. And he went to go fight. He did He, he did fight a bunch of times after. But uh, Hollis Gracie dominated the first round, completely gassed out in the second round, could barely move. I don't even think Joey needed to punch him. I think if Joey just stood up, Hollis is about to fall over. It's a crazy – guys, find that fight on Fight Pass. It is bizarre. And I, I know Hollis was at least like a minus thirteen hundred favor or something like that. So this, this makes me think of that. Romanov, a little more proven. So I don't think we're going to see that outcome. But uh, hey, what, again, what yeah, was never what was the line for Dobson Agapova Agapova? Because that was pretty out of control too. It was like mine. I think Agapova was, was so like a dumb. minus fifteen hundred. Uh, so minus sixteen sixty seven. She closed that. That was an appropriate line too. It was. It was an appropriate line, and it was a big upset. And yeah. Um, all right. Do, 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 this is why we fight. Yeah. Chase Sherman winning this fight would just be. I know. I, I I'm mean, just shocked at this because because they're heavyweights. That's why because they're heavyweights. Yeah. And he, yeah. Also, Chase Sherman, like he's not good. Don't get me wrong. He's not awful. Like he's no, not. He's not. Like, no, that's the thing. He is, yeah. He is a capable human being who can fist fight like I but like if he saying. wins we would live in a world where the man that got just molly by people like parker porter and jay collier and justin willis beats alexander romanoff like that would be a bizarre world to live in yeah he lost a top 15 heavyweight yeah he lost to justin ledette like Ledet is not even a heavyweight in the UFC anymore. He was like a light heavyweight that got like crushed by Johnny Walker. Yeah, he's a light heavyweight, which means he's better because light heavyweight yeah. oh. is bad a division as it is. It's still better. Than the co-main event is a middleweight fighting Ardoski. True. <laughs> who did Chase? That's, that's who did Chase true. fight in Dallas? <laughs> who did Sherman fight in Dallas? It was like such a crazy uh, fight. Coulter. Hold on. Dallas. Yeah. Oh, that's he, who it was. Yeah, Rashad Coulter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so good. Yeah. I love that fight. Is that the, oh, yeah, that was a crazy fight. Yeah. That was, that was the oh, elbow so he knocked him out with. Um, Sherman can get Romanoff it. to engage in something like that. He has a chance. But Romanoff's not that not that guy. He's yeah. just going to pick I up don't know, man. I don't actually think – I think Romanoff might just come out here and be like, look at how jacked I am. I'm going to throw hands. Because <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to be clear – I would favor him to win a strictly striking battle against Chase Sherman. I'm just I would, saying it's insane the odds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Romanov right, is going to win whoever he wants. Yeah, yeah. No, Romanov no, is going to choke Chase Sherman out with Chase Sherman's femur. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, and then he's going to suplex his coach. Probably. 
if he chokes him out with his streamer, then that's <laughs> this man's a future heavyweight champion. He'll be a minus Romanoff, eighteen thousand. Romanov is going to use Chase Sherman's own that, femur yeah. to choke. Yeah, that's what's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> that's that would be incredible. I don't even. I mean, trying to either man's femur being involved in the submission would be incredible. And then we're gonna call him the femur. That's his. That's his new nickname. If you choke someone out with your femur, you become the femur. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What else we got? Uh, Not a question, but I I just I think this deserves to be talked about. This gentleman, Connolly versus Elkins, Mm. fight of the night. Mm. Let's see. We'll see. Maybe. Damage does not do boring. No, he I, doesn't. But I would disagree El- with that statement. But oh, Elkins is by far my favorite fighter. That's not very good. Well, if he okay. was good, he wouldn't be exciting. <laughs> the, the only reason he is exciting is because he is not good, and so occasionally he just gets lit up. But he's tough as hell, so yeah. it works for him. If he was actually good, he would just yeah. sit on people for fifteen minutes Ooh. and no one would watch him over. I think Darren Elkins could here. just grind this out. I think Darren Elkins this could just be a real grindy fight. The thing is, I don't think Tristan Connolly's that good, so Darren Elkins not being good is not as damaging here he, he might Damage. just sit on him for three rounds i just think it would be darkly funny and i don't hope i'm not wishing for this to happen if tristan Connolly lost and then was released and then he's just, and then was like oh and two at featherweight and his only win in the ufc was against uh an overweight michelle, michelle Pereira at, <laughs> at welterweight that would just be that would be one of the strangest ufc runs ever i think even though it's only yeah. three fights that would have to go down as one of the strangest ufc fights yeah. ever him and, uh, him, and, runs, yeah. him and Mike Jackson. That's like the, the, the odd one yeah. win UFC yeah. people. That ain't over. Yeah. That ain't over. <laughs> uh, let me see what else we got. Man, uh, AK just made me sad, reminding me of Michelle Pahea's very hey, tough fight. Remember Pereira? He, Pereira, he had no Pereira. camp that Pereira, He had no camp that, that week, too. That there were I think of, no coaches. No yeah, coaches. No coaches, yeah, coaches, because of visa uh, issues yeah. or something. Yeah, so, like, there were there were issues coming to that. So, I, mean, I love Michelle. He lost, imagine he being, lost a featherweight, guys. <laughs> imagine being Michelle Pahea and having no camp and being like, the best course of action is to do jumping scissor kicks. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. That's going to be great for my gas tank. <laughs> well, it took him 37 minutes to get to the cage. He wasted, like... A round and a half of energy just dancing his ass out into the octagon. I mean, it's insane. Hey, hey, win or learn. He learned. He hasn't done that since. I know. He hasn't been fun since. It's lame. I know. Well, yeah, they keep keep putting him against, like, good competition. Like, boo. No, we don't need that. He's Uh, still been fun. Yeah, he's great. Johnny Walker Uh, really hasn't been all that fun. ah. No, Johnny Um, Walker and Tiago Santos are no longer fun fighters. Uh. (laughs) I don't know anything about this, but this question was interesting. Tell me if this is true or not. How big a factor is Grant Dawson changing camps? It is very true. Oh, he did. Okay. Uh, Tell me about it. We talked about no, no, we cool. talked about this on heck of a morning that when you thought of Glory MMA, there were two names you always thought of. At least I did. James Krause and Grant Dawson. These yeah. two were side by side. They were buds. After the last fight with Ricky Glenn, Grant Dawson, his I believe fiance now. They moved down south. They're at American Top Team, and that's where they're staying. They're going to be there for the foreseeable future. So this is Grant Dawson's first camp with ATT, no longer with Krause and Glory MMA. Never thought I'd see the day, but here we are. 
I don't know how much of a factor it's going to play. I think this is more of a question to react to after the fight because mm-hmm. we don't know. I think Grant Dawson's a super talented guy. He so was sort of a blue chipper right off the bat. He hasn't looked tremendous at 155, if we're being honest. The Leandro Santos fight ended in an emphatic fashion, but, but he had he not landed... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if, had he not let, knocked him unconscious with one second left in the fight, that's a that's a close fight. That's mm-hmm. a close fight. Yeah. And then the Ricky Glenn fight, we saw him fade down the stretch. Now he's fighting Jared Gordon, another guy who's not going to make it easy on him. So, if I have que- if there's questions about one fighter, I want answered more than maybe anybody else outside of the main event. Grant Dawson is is the guy, in my opinion. All right. Is he is he has he said anything publicly about it or just he needed? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I I he posted on Instagram saying like because he said he started what like eight nine years ago as a white belt and he got all the way to black belt at Glory MMA and he just oh, yeah. said it was I I'm I might be paraphrasing like I don't want I don't know his exact words but it was like the same people the same building the same coaches the same schedule just for eight nine years and he just need, he just wanted to change, change that. He also as he Makes also sense. as Mike said he moves so i just think it was like a combination of things yeah just wanted new looks he might go i'm sure he'll go back probably oh yeah makes sense uh uh we we got some questions off topic not like about this event but you know what we've gone we'll take two we'll take two quick ones two quick ones all right right. real quick real quick rapid fire rapid fire rapid fire all right i haven't read this question Serious question. Given Colby's reported brain injury, how will this affect his chosen profession? Is it dependent on whether there is permanent damage as to whether the UFC uh, will allow him to fight? We're going to have to wait till May 12th to get more information on this. Yes, it is now being, at least in the new reports of the arrest, uh, as a brain injury. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how severe it is. But there's going to be there's going to be a status hearing May 12th where there's going to be some things written up for discovery they're gonna check colby's medical records they're gonna do all this stuff and i'm glad jed mishu is here because i mean you are a resident uh law expert so let us bring you in i feel like we're on cnn right now your thoughts on this how i don't know if we could really comment on how this will affect his fighting career i mean unless you have a thought on that but has the whole brain injury thing changed the way you viewed this case from because when we first talked about this and i even think Mazadal's team probably thought this this the same thing after it was over. Worst thing that can happen is maybe we'll fight Colby again. Like this is the worst thing that will happen. I don't think that anyone expected it to get as far as it has gotten. But now that this is a brain injury, it's gone from a chipped tooth. We have the watch and all that stuff. Has this changed anything for you? Well, I choose my words really carefully here uh, because theoretically this could be a really serious thing. I say theoretically because I have a lot of skepticism. If this is true and if Colby Covington actually did suffer a brain injury, this is going to change things dramatically. It's probably not going to really change any of the legal outcomes for Masvidal here. Um, It will sort of just change restitution because I seriously doubt he's going to do jail time here uh, for this. It will just be community service and some fines. Uh, But that's going to have to be proven through discovery in a court of law. And I, as I said, I remain really, really skeptical. Um, But, you know, I'm not there. I am not a doctor, a a medical doctor, so I cannot speak competently to that. What I will say is that if it's not true, in a hypothetical world, 
where Colby Covington is is not suffered a brain injury here as a result of Ori Masvidal. This might be hypothetically a tremendous way to not have to fight Hamza Chimaev, <laughs> who would in fact give him a brain injury in a sanctioned mixed martial arts bout. I am not saying that's what's happening because, again, I am not a medical doctor. It is entirely plausible, at least, (laughs) that Colby did suffer something from the alleged assault by Jorge Masvidal. It does not seem likely, and if it isn't, I'm just saying there are a lot – there are worse ways to get out of fighting that dude (laughs) because I don't want to fight him and I don't begrudge any man. For, for taking it out to not have to fight Hamza Chmaev. That sounds like a ho- – do you think Gilbert Burns had a good time? It did not look like he had fun. So, yeah, uh, that's where I stand on it. There you go. Can I just say that oftentimes at MMA Fighting, as all of these gentlemen know, we have to wear multiple hats, and sometimes we have to do assignments that are not in our comfort zone. Me covering court cases would be, would fall into that 100%. Now, I've jumped on these Zoom calls, and normally I'm just like, all right, I'm going to stay here for five minutes, and then just going to be like, all right, we're going to delay it seven days. Oh, we're going to delay it 10 days. We're going to delay it 14 it's, days. It's this one, <laughs> This one on Thursday was really fun because Mazadal was there in the Zoom chat. Then all of a sudden, you see in the Zoom chat, iPhone, and then the iPhone fades and a picture comes up, and there he is the former interim welterweight champion, Colby Covington. I'm like, oh, my God, Colby's here too. And Mazadal's there too. And they're like kind of looking at each other. And you could sort of see it that they're looking at each other like in the Zoom. So the judge is running down the stay-away order that he is giving to Colby Covington. You have to do this 25 feet away. You can't go 500 feet within his residence, all that. And then he asked – because they were calling Covington CC the whole time. CC. So the judge asked Mazel, he goes, do you have any more questions? And Mazel was like, yeah, just to be clear, CC, that guy's name's Colby Covington, right? Like completely outed him. And I was just like, oh, my freaking God, this just happened. Amazing. And at certain points, Mazel was mouthing to Covington like, look at this. I'm not going to say it, but look at this expletive, expletive, just mouthing it off while he's on mute. It was wild, man. It was a wild scene. Did you think you'd be covering legal cases so much when you got into like, you know what, I'm on a a mixed martial arts journalist and like, it's a good amount of time we we do legal stuff. It's weird. I thought I'd cover maybe like two or three things in my career. Respect to Masvidal didn't even pretend like he has any sort of contrition about this. Just still just talking shit to him in the middle of a court hearing. Okay. Good, good luck. That's how you want to do that. Colby just yeah it was weird it was just like wow okay and with that being said we're going on on a positive note apparently <laughs> wait we got we, we we're got, done we we we, we want to we got you gotta any we can we can throw some positivity before we get out anything i can't think of 50, anything 54 percent katie oh. taylor we got a great boxing match on Saturday. Got yeah. a great, great boxing match, and uh, the results for the uh, for the UFC poll were pretty good too. People at least really want to see the main event again. Maybe they haven't seen the rest of the card, or they just yeah, don't the main care. Event's awesome. The main event's awesome, oh, and, right. and I think there's enough oddities and curiosities. Again, we've got Arlovski and what is a legitimate co-main event. The Romanov fight, I think, is just is going to be great for 
It's gonna be very tense. That's what has to be the most betted on, <laughs> right? Like that's this gonna is gonna be, be yeah. This is gonna be an excellent know. car because I think our expectations are exactly where they need to be. They're not they over. They're not like, under. You gave it a seven. Though. Right there, a seven. Yeah, I think this that's is. Not, I think this is gonna be just a fun, silly car. <laughs> this high. is gonna be fun. Like, the martial arts will not be uh, at high levels, but it'll be fun. It'll be just a fun yeah. car. It'll be fun. I think there's a really high likelihood that we get like ten decisions. Not, 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 not the good ones. Just ten decisions. Not the good ones. Hey, dumb, just... hey dummies! Hey, dummies! Hey, it's the uh, yeah, yeah. hey, it's the cards that always that you guys give no respect. You guys give the cards no respect. It's always those cards that deliver. Hey, how'd that work for the last like four of them? <laughs> And we're all good. 273 is great. You don't like it, you don't like it, you don't watch it. Hey, but next week we get Justin freaking Gaethje and Charles Oliveira fighting for the lightweight title. I'm sorry, Oliveira versus Gaethje lightweight title. And who's That's gonna be there? Now. Who's gonna be there? I'm that guy with the, I, the Wu Tang symbol. I don't say this a lot. Where? I'm where am I? Jealous. That is, okay, that's not Wu Tang. This is Wu Tang. I knew you were gonna react like that. <laughs> 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 He's doing the double Weezer. This is Weezer, this is Weezer right? This is double Weezer. No, no, yes. that's not Weezer yes. either. R.I.P. Neil Adams. R.I.P. Neil Adams. R.I.P. Neil Adams. I agree. Happy birthday, AK. It's not my birthday. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.